If you have your Bibles, um, you can, or if you have your app, actually, if you're still on your app, there's the Bible on the app. Um, But if you'll turn to Philippians chapter two, today we are continuing on our series in the book of Philippians. And today I've been thinking a lot about um, the meaning of life, the meaning of life. Maybe it's the age that I'm in, maybe it's because we've lost, um, continue to lose people in our family. Just this past week, Audra lost a a cousin, another cousin, but she was in her early 40s, just a medical complication. She passed away unexpectedly. And and maybe again, just the stage of life, I, I'm, I'm seeing that life is so short. And because it's so short, then you begin to say, okay, what is the purpose of life? What is, what's this all about? Because I, I had a neighbor who lived across the way, very wealthy guy and had this great estate farm and, and, and he worked this farm, it was beautiful. And then, then they've passed away. I've done both of their funerals for my neighbors and, and, and now a new family is coming in there and, and almost tearing down everything they built and putting up something new. And I'm thinking, well, was that the purpose? Just to amass wealth and houses and, and, and properties and work the land and maybe, maybe not. Then you think of people who have died prematurely or you, we just celebrated a great young man and realizing that, you know, we had a celebration of life yesterday and, and realizing that even with a disability, what's the purpose of life, right? And, and then we begin to like, okay, well, is it thinking about my life? It's like I went to college and then I had a family and then I had a career and then then I'm trying to pursue my calling and was Jesus doing my life? But is it really just like that? Is it go to school? Is it to have a family and make sure you have a good enough job you can afford a house? And then by the way, you got to save for retirement. So maybe you can spend your older years playing golf or something. I don't know, right? What's the purpose? And then we just die. And then we just die. And, and you know, the, a guy who had so much in the Bible, Solomon, Solomon who who had so much wisdom, he knew how to amass wealth and he was probably a little foolish too because he had over 700 wives and 300 concubines. And what are you doing, Solomon, with all of that? You can't, you can't keep up with that. That's a lot. And <laughs> see, I've just learned to keep my mouth quiet on certain things. I just, to stay with the focus of the point. There's a lot, there's a lot. And, and he had armies and he had palaces and gardens and pools. And, and, and then he, he writes in Ecclesiastes, everything is meaningless. Everything's meaningless. But, but he gets to this place uh, at the end of Ecclesiastes, though, where he says this. Like, the, I would encourage you this week, read Ecclesiastes. It's a little bit sobering. I usually read Ecclesiastes at a funeral for everything. There's a season, right? You're going to find that. Season to be born, season to die, season to um, weep, and a season to have, to have joy. But, but if, you, if you look at what it says, though, in in. Ecclesiastes 12, the last chapter, he sums all of these things like everything's meaningless. And then he says this, 12, 13, 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 13, fear God, keep his command for this is the whole duty of man, of man. And I'd say of woman said, God will judge every deed, every deed that we've done. 
He so, so he's saying, fear God, keep his commandments. And this is the whole duty. So have a relationship. Fear God is not like, I'm afraid of you, God. It's kind of like honor, respect, even though he's close and he wants to be Jesus, uh, showed us the way to the Father and this closeness. Jesus calls us friend. And he shows us this relationship, this intimate relationship, this friendship and this, but yet he's God. He's, you know, God with us, Emmanuel. And yet he wants us to come to this place of reverence, of understanding that, that his ways are the right ways and that he's set up some commandments for us. And so then we say, okay, well, fear God, keep his commandments for this is the whole duty. In other words, everything's summed up and that's the purpose of life. And, but then it was like, what's the, what's the practicality of that, right? Do we just kind of like live in the woods and then just worship God all the time? <laughs> is, that, is that, and make sure we don't sin? Is that it? But in Philippians chapter two, we can look at there together and and we can realize there's some practical application for us to understand the meaning of life. Because I I do believe as much as there's activity to life, as much as some of you who are young in school today, it's important to get a degree. It's important to go to college if that's part of your, if that's part of what you need for your career. And at some point in time, if you, God's put it on your heart to be married, it's okay to be married and have a family. And maybe sometime, maybe buy a house. But, but what could happen is we can get so preoccupied and just like, what's the next step of life? And then we come to this stage of where I'm in my 50s and then all of a sudden we start looking around and it's like, okay, it was, was for me. You know, I had a business and, you know, I've done a lot of things in life. And, and then, because I, I do ask the self, what, what was the point of that? And then we have to say, what is the meaning of all of this? And, and has God given us some practical things that we have to look at? So today, I'm going to ask this question. Could it be that our life really is like, for those of you who are in sports, the preseason to the real season? Maybe life is the dress rehearsal to the main play. Maybe life is the time trial on the track to, for the real race. You know, Paul says, you know, I, I've pr- pursued the goal. I pressed on to the goal to finish the race. And we realize that maybe there's something that beyond just going through life, that maybe it's just beyond just being born and live a good life and then die, that there's something for us that we are pre- being prepared for, for our eternal life. And, and I think that's why I love what was shared today with Sarah the headstone. Let's put our attention not on the things that are dead, but things that are alive. Jesus, God's alive. And maybe it's really understanding that, that this life is actually in preparation for the life to be lived beyond this life. And if that's the case, then maybe it's not just getting through life, but maybe there's some intentionality of a life to be lived in preparation. Because we know that our, our flesh will die. We know that. And, and yet our spirit lives. And, and as much as we, it's not like our spirit just floats out there somewhere into some ethereal place. But, but I do believe that we will, we will recognize each other. We will have jobs to do. That there's a kingdom that we're going to be a part of. And that there is a place. And there's going to be dwelling places. And there's going to be... Um, stewardship and tasks still assigned to us in this next life. As much as everybody, as much as Pastor Richie wants us to believe that all we're going to be doing is sitting around the throne room singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
who was and is and is to come. Pastor Richie, I've got news for you. We will be doing that, but we will be doing more <laughs> because our life is going to be emanating a life of, of, of song. Our, our life will be a song to be singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Because, because everything that we'll be doing will be doing in honoring of him and our whole life will be that. Now there will be the scripture, Pastor Richie was telling us something very scriptural that we will be, um, our life will be singing holy, holy. But I do believe that it's not just this, this place where, because I, I think sometimes our imagination, especially for those of you who are not singers, you're like, what? I just have to sing all the time? That's going to get really boring. <laughs> I'll tell you what, our, our next life beyond this is nothing going to be boring. It's going to be magnificent. It's going to be beautiful. But I do believe what we do today will set us up for what our future is. And this is what Paul says in Philippians chapter two. So if there, verse one, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, Philippians chapter two, verse one. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being the same mind. Let me read that again. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, so in other words, can I give you some Christian encouragement? Any comfort from love, like, hey, if you really love me like I love you, any participation in the spirit, in other words, can we be one in the spirit with this? Can we listen to what the spirit of God is saying? Any affection and sympathy, like I'm doing this not out of law, but out of love and affection for you, complete my joy. He's saying, Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, complete my joy, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Think the way I'm thinking on this, please, is what he's saying. Having the same love, being in full accord or one accord and of one mind. Be together on this, he's saying. Be together on this. Knowing that what I'm gonna tell you was rooted from God, from the spirit, rooted out of love, and says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but humbly count others more significant than yourself. All right, some of you need, need me to really hone in on this verse. Do nothing, can you say nothing? nothing. That means nothing, nada, zero, zilch, zilch. Do nothing, zitch, I don't know what zitch is, but zilch, I know what that is. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. All right, this is the part that you get to participate. You get to turn to the person next to you and says, you are better than me. And then you say, you're more important than I am. See, you can't even look at the person in the eye. You feel very uncomfortable with that because you don't really believe it. <laughs> you don't believe it. You don't believe it. All right, we'll try this again. Now, I really want you to look them in the eye this time. Say, you're more important than I am. Okay, we're getting a little better than that. I know it was really hard. I know it's really hard. Verse four, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So in other words, it's rooted in Jesus, okay? As you're thinking about these things, 
is rooted in, the, in Jesus' teaching. Who thought he was in the form, oh, sorry, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God. And thinking, and sorry, equality with God, a thing to be grasped. So Jesus, who was in the form of God, right? Emmanuel, God with us, who was in the form of God, did not think that equality with God was a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Can you say emptied himself? He poured himself out by taking the form of a servant. Another word that's really important, so I'm going to have you say it. Servant, say servant. Being born in the likeness of man. A couple concepts here. Jesus, who was really important, son of God, didn't consider himself important, made himself like a servant, and poured himself out. And he's saying, likewise for you and I, that you are really important, because you're made in God's image, so this is where you can feel good about yourself. You can point to you and say, I am important. You're important. And you're very valuable. And you're amazing. But in that being amazing and very valuable, you have to realize that, that you are actually called to be a servant. Your purpose in life is to be a servant. I know, I wanted a better message than this one, Mark. I don't want to be a servant. I want to be famous. I want to have a perfect life. I want to have all the stuff. I want to have all the goodies. I want to live my life, all my hobbies, all my, it's about me, right? That's what the world would tell us because the world needs it to be about you because they have a bunch of stuff to sell you. And if they can't get you to buy something, they're in trouble. So they've got to make it about you and make about the products and the lifestyle that you're meant to live. They're meant to live. But yet here Jesus says, if you really are wanting to be like Jesus, who actually understand the purpose of life and then understanding the satisfaction and the meaning of life, then you have to posture yourself as a servant. Considering other people more important than yourself, which means you have to be aware of the needs of people around you. I love yesterday as we were celebrating Paul's life to see our care team in action. We have a newly formed care team and, and they served this family um, so well and they just came alongside, made meals and set up and tore down uh, for the event. And, and they're living out this message they're living out this message of, of realizing that we are to be servants. If we remember when, when the disciples were asking, who's going to be the greatest in heaven? Because that's what we want to do. Like, I'm pretty good, right? And I want to know I'm pretty good. So Jesus, I, I'm going to be like one of the greatest, right? With you, because actually you've picked me. I'm one of the 12, but I think I'm even the best of all the 12. So who's going to be the greatest in heaven? And Jesus says that the one who serves the most, is going to be the greatest. Pastor Richie, this morning, um, can I share this, Pastor Richie? Yeah, so in our, in our group huddle this morning, we, we get together all the ministries that are serving. Um, we get together and we just, today we're, we're talking about things we're thankful for and anticipating you being here. We prayed for you before you came. And, um, but, but he was just saying, you know, we're, we're, none of us are on this like positional thing. It's not like the, this is what Richie said. It's not like, it's not like when we go to heaven, God says, well done, you good and faithful pastor Mark. Well done, you good and faithful worship leader, Richie. 
No, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Interesting. And, and, and Jesus himself says this, that if you want to be greatest in the kingdom, you have to learn to take on the position and the posture of a servant. And, and this, this begins to unfold this dilemma that we have in understanding what's the purpose of life, but then how do we live our life? And, and, and it's rooted in both of them. Reinforce, I say, it has to be talking about the purpose of life is sometimes we just feel like our purpose is very, very lineal, right? Like, what, tell me my calling. I'll, I'll do my career based on my calling. I need to do X, Y, Z, and then I'll get to an end destination when maybe your life is more about waking up every day and listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying and looking at the needs around you and saying, how do I put somebody else above me? How do I become a servant and serve more people today? And, and that becomes the measure of, of our purposefulness in life. Now, I, let's, let's talk about this idea, though. Let's, well, let me finish the scripture. And being in the form of a human form, and being found in the... I can't read today. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, interestingly, he took on the form of a servant and actually then was obedient to death. So this idea of being obedient, this following his command, following what Jesus is saying, obedient to death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed him on the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Obedient, even to death, obedient. Obedient would mean that he had to follow some instructions of what the Father was saying to him. So, so as not only do you take on the form of a servant, then you also have to have ears to hear to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What are, what are you asking of me today? Because we can become like little servant robots and just get busy doing a lot, of, uh, a lot of serving. But if we miss the spirit of God, what he's trying to say to us, then we're doing a bunch of works without that obedience to what is the spirit of God saying. So it's really important if you're here today and you haven't given your life to Jesus, like how do I start this journey? You start by first giving your life to Jesus. How do you do that? You just say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I'm sorry for doing all the things on my own and I acknowledge that you are the son of God and you went to the cross for my sin and I want to repent. I want to say, not only I'm sorry, I don't want to turn away and start living for you. Realizing that Jesus not only went to the cross, that he went to the grave and then three days later he rose from the grave. And the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, you'll be saved. And that begins, at that moment when you say that, you become a new creation. The Spirit of God indwells upon you and you begin this journey learning how to hear God's voice and living in obedience. So here he is, this idea, he emptied himself. He emptied himself. And I'm going to follow up and, and kind of close in this other thought here about emptying yourself. In 2 Timothy, Paul, who also writes his letter to Timothy says this chapter 4 I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is the judge of the living and the dead 
and by his appearing and by his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. We're seeing it right now. But having itching ears, they will uh, accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their very own passions. And we'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. But basically saying, if you don't want to do that, in other words, if you just want to like find people to tell you what you want to hear, you can find them. But then he says this, as for you, always be sober-minded or be humble in your mind, endure suffering, do the work of the, of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out, here we go, poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness for which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This idea of being poured out as a drink offering. In, in Genesis, Jacob, when he, his name was changed from Jacob to Israel, he had a meeting with God and he understood God's promises in his life. He built an altar and then he poured a, the very first drink offering that we see in Genesis. He poured this drink offering, this, this wine over this altar, wine and oil, and it becomes a drink offering. And then we read through the Old Testament, this drink offering is a, is a the priests would do it after they did their sacrificial offerings. They would always close with this drink offering. And there's something about being poured out. And, and the thought that I've been thinking about all week is what would it look like if our lives were always poured out. See, I think we live our life, we've been trained by our society to what's in it for me? How do I bring something to me? What do I like, what's coming in? But what if we lived our life, and this is the, the, the life of a servant is we're always pouring out. What if our lives were a living sacrifice? That our lives were being poured out like a drink offering, pleasing to God. What would it look like tomorrow when you woke up and say, I'm going to serve a couple people today. I'm going to like literally go out of my way and see a need. I'm going to meet a need. I'm going to find a way that I can just do something. My flesh doesn't want to do it because my flesh wants it to be about me and, and my time, my way, and my calendar. And yet you pause and say, where can I meet a need? And you're going to say that by starting in the morning by saying, Lord, give me the ears to hear what you're saying to me today and let me be attentive to what your spirit's doing and let me be a drink offering, pouring something of myself out to somebody else today. What would that do to the people around us? What would that do to show the love of Jesus to people around us? What would it do to living out your purpose and, and not saying, hey, how do I accomplish and how do I achieve and how do I accumulate? But what if it's less about accumulating and more about pouring out? What if it's less about what can I get and it's more about what I can give? What if we find joy in our purpose when we realize that we come to the end of our life and we realize I've poured out everything I've had of me to other people? What legacy would you leave? 
And then if we realize that the greatest, sorry, the, the least shall be the greatest, the servant at all will be the one who is honored the most, that, that in this life, could it be that this is the dress rehearsal for the main, our main show, our main life? And if, if that's the case, could it really be that, that the way we've poured out is actually the way that we get elevated for the life to come? I've been thinking about this song and Audra was like, cause I had to ask Audra, I'm a little teapot short and stout. Here is my handle, here is my spout. When I get all steamed up, hear me shout, tip me over and pour me out. Oh. So this week, I want you to be little teapots. You don't have to be short and stout, but I do want you to be little teapots. (laughs) I want you to be little teapots. I don't want you to get all steamy and mad, but I do want you to pour out your life to somebody this week. I truly believe as we learn to become better servants, we'll realize we start living our purpose that we begin to, to actually live the way that Jesus taught us to live. I, we gave our youth these bracelets, WWJD, what would Jesus do bracelets at the beginning of the year. And I told Carrie, I said, can I have one please? It brings me back to my, when I was young, I used, to have a, I used to have one. What would Jesus do? And that's what Jesus do. He, he modeled for us what it would be to become a servant. But, but I want you to know that that, that servanthood is, is not going to be unnoticed. You're not doing it to get anything and you're not doing it to be noticed, but I want to give you some encouragement. When you give out in those ways, God notices. And it's also almost like you're storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. It's almost like you're storing up for you your future. If you want a real inheritance, if you want a real future, Beyond this life, I would encourage, learn. Learn to be a servant of all. That's what I love about this church. I, I, I look around and people are serving everywhere. And if you're not yet serving, we'll find help you. We'll find a place for you to serve. And it doesn't have to be just in this church. It's great serving the church community together, but there are, you're serving in your families, serving in your community, serving in your schools, serving in your workplace. But this week, would you be a little teapot? Learning to pour out, not just take in, not just consume. Let's pray. Father, I, I would just ask of you, well, I'm not asking anything of you. I guess I'm asking for us, Lord Jesus. Give us the motivation, the courage to deny ourselves and pick up our cross. That we would take on the form of a servant, realizing that we consider others more important than ourselves. That we become aware of the people around us and the needs that are around us and we would serve. God, you've hardwired something inside of us and and our flesh wants to resist it. But Father, for us to live in your kingdom ways and according to your spirit, 
We need to live the way that you've designed us, which is to serve one another, to serve those around us. So Lord, I pray that we would become like teapots, daily pouring out our life to others. That we become this drink offering, that we become this, this aroma for you, that, that this, this offering, this living sacrifice, that as we are doing this, that our lives are actually emanating holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty because we're acting like Jesus. That we're becoming Christ-like. And our lives become this, this living sacrifice that our lives become this, this praise to you, Jesus, that as we learn to serve others. Jesus, let us not get preoccupied with the systems and the ways of the world, but let us get preoccupied with spending time with you that we can see the needs around us. Help us to be those teapots today and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and we get to see the great work that you want to do through us, Lord Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.